How does the Utah Utes defense match up with the Oregon State Beavers offense? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you may get your podcast. This is your first time listening to our show. Make sure you guys like and subscribe. Love to interact with you guys in the comments. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LockedOnCollege for $20 off your first purchase. My name is JT Wister, so former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about some of Kyle Whittingham's press conference quotes, what I think they truly mean not too much deciphering today but still a little bit of deciphering of what i think wade is trying to say um then we'll close out with uh talk about a couple of the youths that earned weekly pac-12 honors that were cool it was cool to see but gotta start with previewing utah versus oregon state huge matchup of two top 20 teams and yeah that's right just because oregon state lost they were 14 didn't follow the top 20 they fell to 19th and i think that's because all of the ap writers realize the talent this beavers team has this is the best team utah's played to me I don't want to say by far because that's disrespectful to UCLA because defensively, I think the Bruins are really good. And I do think if it, that game was like at UCLA, just like this game's at Oregon State, like that be that would have been much tougher for Utah. And obviously, if they they probably played the same way offensively that they played if they, at UCLA, they're probably not undefeated still to this point. If it was at UCLA, it's just more than likely it's just hard to win on the road with that poor of an offensive performance as the Utah. And we're going to talk about that offensive performance in a little bit more on today's show with some of the comments that Witch mentioned. But um, I really like this Beavers team. I really like them going into the season. I watched the full game pretty much versus Oregon State now, or excuse me, versus Washington State, and they're they're nice. <laughs> I'll just leave it that way. Um, talk about their offense, too. This is a team that scored 35 points. They were, and the reason they trailed is they shot themselves in the foot. If there is one universal thing in college football, maybe not universal, but pretty common, I would at least say, teams tend to shoot themselves in the foot a lot more on the road than they do at home. You're much sharper at home where you don't have to deal with crowd noise and you don't travel, all that kind of stuff. Versus when you're on the road, you know, just once again, just on the road, hostile environment, new climate for some teams too, just like UCLA, just not playing well in the mountains. Most teams don't. Oregon State, I mean, their quarterback, this is the game last, this is Clark, the Clark Phillips game. He had three inter, three interceptions in this game with one of those being a pick six. Like this was a dominant show uh, by Clark Phillips and the, Oregon State offense, you were just like, yeah, this team's a quarterback away from being really scary. And they got that quarterback in DJU. And overall, DJU, I thought, played really well in his game against Oregon State. I think he did a lot of nice things in that one. Um, it was 35-38, and he put on a, just a really strong performance overall. So as talking about just this offense and kind of what I accept out of them, well, the number one thing they still do at a very high level is they still run the ball incredibly effectively. In that 38 to 35 loss, this is still a Beavers offense that had 242 yards on the ground. You had Martinez with 81 yards, who averaged 4.8 yards per carry. And then you had Fenwick, who had 11 carries for 101 yards. And even DJU had nine for 61. They had four rushing touchdowns on the ground. DJU also had one through the air. He was 17 for 34, 198 yards. But as I mentioned, I just overall, he's clearly the best quarterback Utah's playing this played to this point. And that is not a shot at Dante Moore in any regard. Once again, I think DJ is really good. And 
was a lot of the Clemson issues were blamed on DJU. Here's DJU winning and doing good things with Clemson. And you could be like, well, yeah, but they lost to Washington State last week. Washington State is now a top 15. I think they're a top 15 team. Is now, but I believe either way, a top 20 team in college football where they belong and deserve because this is a tough win. And Cam Ward's looking really good and dangerous right now. The way Coach Dickert has that team playing over there too. I just, I would not want to mess with Washington State. Utah won't have to this season. I still think Utah would be Washington State, of course, just because the I think the level of the Utah defense is playing out right now. But that'd be a tough matchup. And Oregon State is going to be a tough matchup too. Like I said, so they run the ball very well. This is still an elite offensive line. They did a good job, a pretty good job over. They're better at run blocking than they are pass protecting. DJU did get hit and uh, and roughed up a couple of times in this game uh, for the sack. stats overall. He got sacked twice, but those were some big sacks too. And if I was Utah. Um, for this matchup, I would try to bring some pressure on the left side. I think DJU does a good job of evading pressure and can get out of the pocket when he needs to. But every quarterback susceptible to their blind side, especially it looked like DJU to me in this one. So look for Jonah Ellis, leads the nation sacks right now with five and a half, which is if you would have told me going into the season that Utah, or excuse me, four weeks into the season, Utah would have a play leading the nation in sacks. I would have said, like, you're crazy. That's not happening. I just I didn't see a pass rusher raising their game to that level. And that's what Jonah Ellis has done. I knew I, if you're telling me Jonah Ellis could have four sacks through four games, I've been like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But even like five and a half, that's a, a big difference. And that's what Jonah Ellis has right now. And uh, just was so dominant against UCLA. It was so great to see. And we're, we'll talk about Jonah a little bit more too. But either way, I bring bring a little bit of pressure on the right side. So the left side of DJU, that left side of the offensive line, that's where I think you want to make some things happen. Um, it's going to be a great battle in the trenches. I think Junior Tafuna, Keanu Tanuvasa. Utah did appeal to the suspensions. We'll hear about Licky Vimahi, but uh, Samote Peppa to David Fotu, we know has gotten some run. Them versus the interior of the Oregon State offensive line is going to be a great matchup too. Um, I am curious. A guy like Logan Fano, I think he's a better pass rusher than he's a run defender, at least right now in his game, because he does have that speed. So I'm curious how he's going to do if they run right at him. There were times earlier in the season, I think it was only a player too, but I do remember like an offensive lineman driving him a couple yards down the field because when they get their hands on him, they're just not much stronger. Now, Logan's already gotten better. We saw we, the game he put out against UCLA. I just I think that'll be a good matchup uh, running game-wise. I want to see if the Oregon State offensive linemen, who are they do run a stretch-heavy scheme, are they going to be able to turn the corner on Fano or is Fano going to respond and do a good job setting the edge too? And uh, how are they going to do get collecting the Utah linebackers at the second level when they are able to climb up there? Lander Barton, Karene Reed, Leovani Damuni, however you want to slice it up. Those guys are all pretty athletic and do a good job getting past offensive linemen. But their back is capable. Both the backs are capable of breaking tackles. DJU's capable of breaking tackles. And I, I hope Utah uses some. They're going to, DJU's going to run the ball a lot. I hope Nate Johnson gets to run the ball a lot once again because it just helps to have that extra blocker. I, I really like that overall when you can use the running back as kind of like the fullback straight ahead and it kind of catches the defense off guard too. So I do like that. When DJU is comfortable, he can make throws. This is the game where I do want to see Utah's defense because once or twice in each game, and it's just going to happen, right? You're going to give up big plays like that. But like when you're going against a quarterback to the talent caliber of DJU, can you consistently hold him in check? A guy who, once again, in last week's game, 198 yards and could have nearly had even more than that too if they wasn't for their dominant success on the ground. He's capable of making plays with his arm, hitting his receivers in stride, finding him over the middle of the field. He can do that. Yeah, he'll miss a throw or two from time to time. He's not one of the five best quarterbacks in college football, but I, he might be a top 15 guy. I'm, I'm that high on him. For sure, top 20, if not top 15. I think DJU does a very good job, and I'm happy to see him succeed. And as I mentioned, I, just, I didn't like how many of Clemson's issues got thrown at him. I really like this Oregon State team. I, I, if, outside of the Utah game, I'll be rooting for them in almost every other game probably because I – 
I really enjoy the the brand that just Coach Smith has established there, the culture. I think they're a lot of fun. And playing and just the home field advantage that Beavs fans have created as well, it's very challenging. This is the only going to Oregon State is the only true loss outside the Rose Bowl that the Cam Rising led 2021 Pac-12 championship team, right? Because the earlier games, Cam wasn't the starter for the entirety of this game. So the ones when Cam truly started Pac-12 games, Utah didn't lose outside of their game to Oregon State. And this is going to be a tough one. You got a team that can run the ball. You got a receipt. You got receivers that are capable of getting open. You got a quarterback who's capable of hitting them. Oregon State is capable of having those explosive plays over the top. Utah defensive backs are going to have to really be locked in. They'll be ready for those short routes, but where they usually get beat is on those those deep routes. That's where we've seen a couple times now is them get them get beat at least in moments. We'll see if those moments become multiple moments when it comes to this Saturday's or this Friday night's game, that's still getting used to saying uh, this Friday night's game between Oregon state and Utah. So it's a fun matchup. I think the Utah defense, I think we're going to, they're going to go back and forth. I do think this will be the first time Utah will give up probably two touchdowns in the game because the quality Oregon state is, and the fact that they're playing at home, I expect them to be even sharper, clean up those mistakes, but Utah should, I still think Utah has a chance to hold them under 20, but I wouldn't be surprised at all. I don't see Oregon state getting to 30 on this Utah defense. I think they're just too good, but, and I still like a lot of the matchups they have. I just think there's going to be times where Utah's going to win some of those matchups and Oregon State's going to win some of those matchups. So either way, this is probably the side of the ball I'm looking most forward to is watching is DJU versus this Utah defense and that ferocious rushing attack that the Beavers have. So we'll be talking more about this matchup all week long. On tomorrow's show, we're going to lead with the Oregon State defense taking on the Utah offense. That's going to be on tomorrow's Lockdown News. But first, we've got to talk about uh, Kyle Whittingham's thoughts to say what he said to the media in uh, our weekly edition of Wits Translator. That is going to be coming up next. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, and comedy, and even theaters near you. They have great last-minute deals, all in prices view. Oh, they have price views for your seat, and their best guarantee, Game Time. They take the guesswork out of buying tickets. Those last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals, all great options to get in on. It's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. You can view your seats from the venue. So you have an accurate representation of, okay, if I buy this seat and I'm sitting here, what will my view look like? That's what Game Time can offer you. They also have that low price guarantee, and it's called the Game Time Guarantee, too. What that means is you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game Time will credit you 110% of the dip difference so download the game time app create an account and use code locked on college for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms do apply again create an account and redeem code locked on college for 20 dollars off download the game time app today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed all right in a moment we're going to be talking about uh kyle whittingham and his press conference and some of the interesting comments i thought but uh but first not an ad read just a shout out uh spencer mclaughlin second segment sit feeling a little bit let's feel a little dry tonight As I mentioned, shout out Spencer McLaughlin. Okay. I probably should have muted this, so I apologize for all of you doing that. I'm not, I'm not a veteran um, when it comes to the second segment sip like uh, Spencer McLaughlin. Either way, let's talk about Wit. Okay. Wit's translator. Uh, first thing he had, he said our defense played played outstanding. Nothing to translate there. I mean, that is just straight up like it. Even for a coach like Coach Wit, I'm sure the defense nitpicked certain things about how they could be better here, how they could be better there, right? Like the defense played outstanding. Anyways, uh, next quote, he said the offense didn't have a whole lot of success. And they said they're going to try to get things rectified. And he also just mentioned, um, he said Nate didn't play poorly. There was it was there was a lot of things going on uh, offensively. He said it wasn't just the quarterback position. 
He's absolutely right. This is what we talked about on Locked On Utes in, in yesterday's show. That that did release a little later. So um, if some of you did miss that, I would encourage you checking out where I broke down the game film of Utah versus UCLA and what we learned about this team. But you can see it, right? Like Nate is sometimes he's not given time to throw by the offensive line. Other times he will make a poor throw, like some of those screen passes, right? A couple of those were off target um, overall. I'm not saying Nate is like playing outstanding, but I don't think Nate is playing. I, I agree. I don't think Nate is playing that poorly. Just when I watch these games, I don't see a quarterback being set up to succeed. Always. He barely gets to throw the ball. doesn't get in a rhythm at all. And he's a lot of third and long throws. If Utah re- ran it well on second down and set up second and manageable, Almost every time it was just another run rather than trying to run some bootlegs. I want to see Nate Johnson on the move more. That's something I hope to get to see more. Just I think there were a lot of things um, running Nate more in, in certain regards to after he fumbled, they really went away from him rather than being like, we know that was a one-time thing and you can come back and do it again. And yes, I know he fumbled later on in the game. But I'm talking about when he knows he's going to be running in that kind of a situation like that. I, I just think showing that trust and building that confidence is, is a key thing too. And I don't think that Andy Ludwig and Utah did a good job of that. And I think they recognize that too. That if they want to beat Oregon State, they're going to need to not play to lose like they just did. Um, and they were able to win by the hair on their chin-chin-chin, chin, basically. So um, there, we'll see what Utah ends up coming out with. But, yeah, this was not just – the offensive struggles were not just on Nate Johnson. They were on, uh, like I said, the offensive line, the play calling. And Nate, those would be the three biggest reasons. I still think the offensive – I still think the skill position players – executed and played pretty well. I just didn't think Utah did a good job maximizing their passing game. And Witt mentioned he that you don't want to be one-dimensional, and he said that they know they kind of were a little bit on, on Saturday, so they're going to try to improve that going forward, and I hope they do because I do think Nate Johnson is capable of making plays. I thought he made some of his best throws as a youth throughout the UCLA game against the toughest defense he's ever played. So that gives me cause for encouragement that he could be able to go in and get it done for this Utah team against a really fierce and a really tough Oregon State team that's obviously one of the best home field advantages in the Pac-12, not named Rice-Ackle Stadium. Uh, Coach Wood also mentioned just what an asset the punt game is. Uh, Jack Bomeister just having an incredible season. One of the best, off to the one of the best starts of recent memory, at least from my recent memory, that a Utah punter has had. You guys can correct me in the comments if I'm wrong, but sometimes I do feel like that's what... But that's why the coaches are okay with conservative play calling because, like, let's just run it three times. We'll kill some clock, and then we can just boom it to Bo Easter, and he's going to doubt him inside the like the fifteen yard line. It's just an awesome luxury to have, and I think the coaches really enjoy what he provides and what he brings. And I think in some ways they don't want to be at, they're not as aggressive because of the confidence they have in him. If they didn't have a great punter, I, I think they would be more just like they didn't have a great kicker right today because Cole Bicker was hurt. So you saw. Utah going for fourth down in a couple more situations rather than if Becker was healthy and Becker makes that first field goal that was missed anyway. So either way, I think it's great. The, the punting game is absolutely an asset, but it also needs to be used and just uh, mixed in correct. Like just not rely on it. Can always rely on it in terms of like, ah, we can just run it here because our punter is going to kill it because let's be honest, just throughout the season at some point, I'm sure Jack Bowie is going to, going to, um, I, I cannot believe I'm like uh, shank one is the word. Eventually, eventually it came to me. There you go. Um, I, I eventually that's just going to happen. So that's where it's like, why not try to be aggressive and move the chains rather than just settling for punts there. So um, another thing I would thought was interesting there too. And uh, keeping it going, he said, brought coach Whip brought up that he said the offensive line needs to be more dominant up front. We had a good old line, but a couple of the, of the games we haven't been, go- uh, been so good. I'm um, trying to find more consistently up front. As he should be. This is something we've talked about. Every game you watch back, um, I can find plays where Keaton Bills gets beat, a Satao Laumea gets beat, a uh, Spencer Fano, of course, gets beat, a Jaron Kump gets beat, and some of those guys more than others, right? Like Keaton got built and beat maybe once or twice. I'm like, okay, Keaton's good. 
Um, Moko, at least what I watched, didn't, I didn't think he got beat a ton. But Jaron Comp did get beat multiple times. Spencer Fano got beat multiple times. And uh, Latu, the UCLA DN, he gave Satawa Laumea everything he could handle and beat him a lot of times too. So there's two of the three offensive line, or three of the two, three of the five offensive linemen that I just kind of mentioned and listed off that I didn't think played great games on Saturday. And you want when your backup quarterback's in there. Nate Johnson, from what we've seen so far, is not a guy capable of putting this team on his back and getting the win, right? Like he's capable of helping them get the win. It's exactly the same thing we call, talked about with Bryson Barnes, right? He is capable of being a cog in the system that helps Utah win games, right? Like he helped Utah win on Saturday. He made a couple of nice throws. The Utah offensive line made a couple of nice blocks too, and receivers were able to get open at times. The running game got going at times, and at least did Utah having one successful touchdown drive and another opportunity is killing a little bit more clock that helped them barely eat scratch out a win against ucla and once again what was nate in that game he was in, he was a cog in the system he was not the game mvp he was not like man that was the nate johnson game right there um, i guess the baylor game would be the nate johnson game right now but even that right it was only a drive that's where i'm excited to see nate going in the if if nate gets the start against oregon state we have no idea with cam rising's availability until pete thamel himself puts it out there that cam rising is playing or and maybe not even that maybe i just need to see cam out there i'm not going to believe it so if we see Nate Johnson out there, I'm excited. This is the kind of game where it's like, okay, some of the fan base was frustrated with the offense. Well, a lot of the fan base was frustrated with the lack of the offensive success. Here you have an opportunity here, Nate. Um, Biden, you've been buying your time for the last year or so, and now you've gotten a couple opportunities under your belt. They're going to need you to play. Nate's probably going to have to play the best game of his career for Utah to win at Oregon State, and that does I don't think that's that crazy of a thing because, once again, what did he do against Baylor? He had a really good drive late in the game. His best game is probably against Weber State and an FCS team, even if they're a decent FCS team. So I'm excited for this opportunity that Nate has coming up on Friday. I think he has a chance to show that, hey, this is my job once Cam Rising leaves. Even if a Brandon Rose is able to get back and have a good spring again, even if Zach Wilson comes in and is hot, if Nate goes in and leads Utah to victory in a place that's as tough to win as Corvallis off a strong Nate Johnson performance, I, I think he would just that'd be another step in solidifying himself as the leader for QB2 going into next season, which is what he currently, I think odds wise would, would be at least if I was setting those odds overall. So um, either way, yeah, but this will start with a rant about the offensive line. They definitely need to be more dominant and find more consistently. Uh, last thing coach Witt did just talk a little bit more about tail being at free safety. It just talks about how great it is to have Cole Bishop, one of Cole Bishop and Sione Vaki close to the box because they are such stout tacklers. And in fact, in the game too, Vaki actually finished nine tackles, five solo, one sack, two tackles for loss too. So we know Vaki provides that value and in the box, just like Cole Bishop does too. And uh, Coach Wood even said, like, Teo, you know, still getting adjusted to being a corner, was a receiver in the past. Um, he said next year he thinks he's going to be a safety full-time because he has that great speed and ability to play center field at a high level, uh, long arms to break up passes. I don't think we'd mention that, just, just something I really enjoy about Teo and uh, in his game in general. I love a, a defensive back with long arms, kind of like a Zamaya Vaughn a little bit, where it's like, okay, you can just knock the ball away and make plays that a lot of other corners can't make because they don't have that wingspan. So I, I love Teo at safety. I think it's something Utah should continue to do because one of Sione, Vaki, and Cole Bishop should always be close to the line. And Witt did mention you give up a little bit in coverage because Teo is a better cover corner man-to-man-wise than Cole Bishop and Sione Vaki are right now. But I think it's worth it to have those guys in the front seven, especially against a team like Oregon State where we know that the Beavs are going to really be uh, be loading up the, the rushing attack and doing everything they can to run the ball on you. So... Uh, that's going to do it for Wits Translator. He did have the one quote about how he thinks they'll play UCLA again because of Super Conferences. That is a conversation we can have a, a, talk a lot about in the offseason because I know it's going to continue to run rampant as long as Wit keeps making those comments too. And uh, 
I agree with him, by the way, too. I will say that. That's the one thing I'll say. And I, do, I still think we're headed for super conferences. That's no insider information or anything. That's just the gut feeling as well, just once this all started. So either way, um, we do have to talk about one more thing relating to. I mentioned the UCLA game a lot because the film, obviously, last time we saw Utah correlates to what we're going to potentially see from them on Saturday, even though there will be differences, as there always are. Um, we do have to talk about two youths that were honored for their play in that dominant defensive performance Utah had against the Bruins. And we are going to be discussing what those Utah players able to do in one moment but first I want to talk to you guys about our friends at Nutrafol missing the syrup for your pancakes or just ran out of your favorite coffee creamer with DoorDash grocery delivery want to talk to you guys about one of the sponsors of today's episode in DoorDash. Missing the syrup for your pancakes or just ran out of your favorite coffee creamer? With DoorDash grocery delivery, you can get what you want right when you need it. You trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant's favorites, and now you can get your groceries delivered. That's actually delivers too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered, so we'll make it right. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them yourself. On even more value, you can save all of your groceries and favorite restaurants with a $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders with Dash Pass membership. With easy substitutions right in the app and best-in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 value when you use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE at checkout. Limited time offer. Terms do apply. That's 50% off your first offer up to $20 no minimal subtotal and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. Don't forget that's code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $50 off your first order with DoorDash. All right, to close this one out, let's talk about the two youths that earned Pac-12 Player of the Year, Pac-12 Player of the Week honors overall. Uh, first one, let's talk just Joan Ellis. I mean, how could he have not earned this award, right? We talk about Joan Ellis was the Pac-12 Defensive Lineman of the Week. Brennery was the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week. Um, when you're talking about what Joan Ellis is doing right now, leading the nation in sacks, just a devastating presence for this Utah defense off the edge. Led the team in tackles, uh, five, 10 tackles, five solo, three and a half sacks, five tackles for loss. I think he's ninth in tackles for loss too. Um, but I talked about this on the show on Monday too. Jonah's just a force to be reckoned with when you're talking about the speed, the quick get off, the variety of moves, whether it's you it's in his hands well, uh, dip and rip, just knocking offensive linemen's hands down, getting into their chest, driving them back. Um, he does a good job getting leverage, and of course, a devastating spin move that left the the Bruins left tackle looking like he had uh, his feet were glued to the ground, basically because how quick Jonah was able to get around him. So uh, he's got the bend too. Jonah's everything you want in a pass rusher. He's an elite run defender too, and uh, he absolutely deserves his defensive lineman award. He honestly, he was the best defensive player in the Pac-12 this week. I like that that they gave him defensive lines. They can also, of course, honor Rene. But if you're just like, who was the best defender in the Pac-12 this week? I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone not named Jonah Ellis for the performance in the game. He had three and a half sacks, like. That's impressive stuff. And uh, I'm excited to see what Jonah continues to do as he's currently leading the nation sacks with five and a half. Once again, just incredible, awesome stuff for Jonah Ellis. But he wasn't the only unit honor. As I mentioned, uh, Corny Reed got Defensive Player of the Week honors. Uh, had that great pick six where he read Moore's eyes perfectly, capitalized on the freshman's inexperience, and picked that one off, taking it the other way for six. And just throughout the game, you know, does a great job getting Utah in their positions, uh, provides solid coverage, and tipped, an, I think he deflected another ball to maybe even two more. Um, and just always flying around the field, making plays, a strong tackler in space, does a good job shooting through gaps to bring down ball carriers. And one of the leaders of this Utah defense, uh, loving the season that Karene Reed has had too. And I'm this Utah defense just right now, it's it's 
like I said, on Saturday, it was the one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen in person, just any sport of football regardless. And it's full of so many elite playmakers. You know that. Joan Ellis, Karenny Reed, this could be their first in multiple appearances. We know a lot more youths are going to be popping up on it throughout the week as well. And uh, it'd be awesome if some youths were popping on it next week because that would mean Utah defense had a great game against Oregon State. And it's going to be a great battle of top 20 teams for the second or, t- or top ranked teams. I guess last week was ranked teams. This team, this week's top 20 teams. And we don't have to wait that long because this one's happening on Friday. So to continue to get prepped for the game, as I discussed, Utah's offense, or excuse me, Oregon State's, or no, it was Utah's, Utah's offense versus the Oregon State defense. That's going to be on tomorrow's Locked On Utes, a preview, and we'll be doing other stuff relating to this matchup. We look forward to seeing you then. And thank you for supporting Locked On Utes.